always comes back round to Man United. <laughs> <laughs> What's the weather like today? Yeah, it's sunny, but United ain't doing well, are they? <laughs> join in the obsession. Subscribe now at offtheball.com forward slash join. The Racing Pod on Off The Ball. Yeah, it's not the brand new racing pod anymore. We're seven weeks in. Uh, we had another uh, winning nap over the Christmas. And uh, today it's not David Jennings or uh, the great man, John Duggan. It's Tom Malone uh, who's joining me to discuss primarily Kempton uh, in the first half of the show anyway. And uh, a lot of Leopardstown as well. We've had some amazing performances. How are you, Tom? Hey, how are you, Johnny? Well, happy Christmas. Or what, what do we call this in-between time between, uh, between Christmas and New Year? I don't know what it is, but it's, it's great for racing fans. I do, I do always find that a bit odd. Like, do you say Happy Christmas? Do you say Happy New Year? Do you just say Have a Good Day? Yeah, yeah. Just be nice. Just be kind, Johnny. That's what we say, isn't it? Just be nice uh, every day of the year. We're delighted to be able to bring you this new show every Friday, which includes analysis, race previews, tips, stories, interviews, and crack. First half of the pod every week will be free to air, and the second half will be exclusively for members. Uh, so be sure to sign up for going by going to offthewall.com forward slash join. Uh, you won't want to miss out on all the info. What has been your highlight so far, Tom? Um, I mean, Kempton is probably the place to start. We had an extraordinary King George. Yeah, I just, I just love Hewitt. What I mean, every everything about him, the unlikeliness of his story. I mean, the price tag thing has been play overplayed a lot for me because probably you know, the the current owners didn't pay eight hundred and fifty quid from Shark did, which is an incredible thing. The other thing I love about him: twenty runs over hurdles, only won three times. I mean. Who's thinking this horse is going to turn up a couple of years later and be, you know, a multiple grader winner, a Galway uh, hurdle, a Galway plate winner rather, and of course a brilliant winner, the King George uh, on, on Stephen's Day as well. It's just fantastic. And like, you know, for Shark, he's a relatively small operation. He doesn't have great horses. And just to see the absolute kick him and his whole family and all the owners and the staff get out of it, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. So, okay, there are only six horses go to post. Um, obviously, a lot of, we were chatting with uh, about this, me and David Jennings last week, and it was like, what's Shishkin going to do? Shishkin consented to jump off, and then they come down uh, into the straight. At the second last, Nicola Bonville has gotten like a great tune out of the horse. What happened? Yeah, he just seemed to take the tiniest false step. He jumps the second last. He seems to get away from it. His all four, he just knuckles and, and Nico de Boinville goes out between his ears. Um, it, it's one of those things that looks like a bit of a soft fall, but you just never expect that. Like it, he appears he gets his landing gear out. Nico de Boinville is gone to go and ask him and just kick away from the fence and and he just doesn't find the leg at the second time of asking when the horse is running a brilliant race and you look at the way Shishkin's been running the last couple of years he does his best work in the last couple of furlongs um, so you know if you'd back Shishkin I thought he was look, he was looking all over the winner but the burn up of pace that we'd seen at the start with Frodon going on Alaho looked almost outpaced he just had to kind of sit and settle He not that he couldn't go with them but uh, with himself Shishkin Brave Man's game and of course Frodon just going a million it was it was Heavy going up front, and uh, you know, then we saw the way um, Sharks Horse, you know, picked up the pieces at the end. But yeah, I mean, how are you feeling if you if you're Nico if you're Nico to Boyneville and you're Nicky Henderson because it's been a, a desperate couple of days. And he broke his, he dislocated his thumb or something as well, didn't Nico to Boyneville? Mm. So, um, 
so good for them that the horse has consented to start. That's a massive positive for me because it's quite a lot made about where the start is at Kempton. You know, when horses get cute like that and something, you know, the gate to the stable yard or the crowd can catch their eye, they'll, they'll look for any excuse not to do it if they're, you know, when they get a bit older and wiser and they're like an old pony who can nearly open the gate himself and, and let himself into the feed room, you know. But when they go, he obviously, he showed as much willingness to run, which is a real positive, um, which yeah, great for Shishkin, great for Shark, great race, but the last couple of furlongs, just insane stuff. I mean, I don't, I didn't even see what way they bet in running on that last couple of furlongs, but I assume at least, at least the, the four of them must have all traded odds on at one stage, bar maybe Braveman's game. Well, I was, um, I was on to Richie Forrest, the editor of the race post before, um, I think it was Christmas Eve and I was saying, Go, well, the guy is the guy the racing post has napped Hewick. That is a hell of a shout. Like, it was like, this well, is like, literally, I couldn't give him a prayer. But the mad thing is, Tom, if you have a King George, they race so, so early. Hewick was literally off his feet. He was like a guy who was, you know, just struggling to get in the door after a night out, just, just barely get like, he was absolutely wrecked. The best he could manage was just to get it, get into the house. And all of a sudden, there's a pace collapse. Yeah, and that's it. You know, you just he just had to, as I say, he just had to stay in the fight. Don't get tailed off. But would like as well. Gavin Sheen was very good. He could have asked, not that not that Hewitt could go much faster, but he just didn't get stuck into him to really make sure he said. And it, you know, Shark said post race that we know this lad will stay. We know there's going to be a pace burn up. You are going to get left behind, not left behind, but you're going to be off that pace and just make the most of his stamina. And then, my goodness, the way he finished was fantastic. But like I said, when Shishkin stumbled and Alaho went on, you know, and eventually he was actually reeled in by Bregman's game. But the way Hewick stayed in that final furlong and a half, because, you know, even that running at Kempton, I know we saw it years ago, Votour had been reeled in, but they don't often get reeled in that easily in, in the closing stages of Kempton. But uh, as you mentioned, it the factor for that was just that, that crazy early pace. Yeah, that's the thing about Kempton in the King George. You're 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 kind of on the turn much of the race. You're jumping fences left, right, and centre. They do race early, and it was a phenomenal watch. Slightly different uh, in the previous race, which went off at one fifty five. We had a one to twelve shot in Constitution Hill, and even though you're watching this horse go off at probably even short spots nearly every time he runs, Tom, you are sort of looking at him as he jumps the second last, and you're like, "Have we seen this before?" Yeah, absolutely, and. God, you, you can't crib him, but he's beaten a load of 150 horses. You know, he's 149, 141, 130, his immediate victims here. You know, and you're like, well, it's just, it's just, it's just not, it's not fun. You know what I mean? That's not fun. It's, it's like what, you know, you're watching, you're what, this is Ronaldo in the Saudi League stuff, you know, except Ronaldo in his prime in the Saudi League. And, and that's, you know, that's We'd just, just like so to point out Constitution Hill isn't here to actually uh, talk about that comparison, but, you know, just go ahead anyway. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. We don't know uh, Constitution Hill's <laughs> attitudes on certain aspects of the Middle East. Uh, but, yeah, he's, look, he's an absolutely phenomenal racehorse. And just the unfortunate thing is the way the programme is, like those two-mile races and those hurdle races, they've just caught up dramatically over the last couple of months. You know, I feel bad for Zana here. He's he's going to go in a beginner's chase today and he probably missed it, a fight and a chance to win his grade one fight and fifth there because it's the only race he hasn't run in, in, in for hurdles in the last couple of years. But yeah, he obviously, 
like Shishkin or Constitution Hill, sorry, Freudian slip there. The only horse he can he can only beat what's in front of him. And you know, you want to see him against State Man and Imperi pass and Obviously, you would have loved to see Marine Nacional maybe have one more year over over hurdles to see what he could p- produce against him. But um, yeah, phenomenal horse. But as we mentioned, the competition's not really there. Even not so sleepy wasn't there. You know, the guys who've run and who run in Newcastle haven't really shown up again against him. So yeah, he's won really well. But like, he should he should win well. You know what I mean? Arguably, you're saying well, he's he's only won ten lengths against this lot. Yeah, if you're not familiar with Tom, Tom is um is actually rides horses. His kids are riding horses. If you own Constitution Hill, Tom, what would you do with him? I don't think I don't. It's not so much that they're doing anything wrong with him. You know what I mean? But that there's not much around for him to beat. So would you be over fences? I, uh, possibly at this stage, yeah. I mean, like, are they committing? Are they committing to trying to win three or four champion hurdles? Because if they're not then he should already be heading towards an Arkle, in my opinion. You know, like, yeah, he's he's gone and he's a phenomenal racehorse. The way he jumps hurdles is exceptional, but there's nothing, there's nothing to beat him. So you're at a situation where you're kind of like, well, what do I want from this horse? Do I want him to be a generational superstar, uh, you know, a, a horse who can go and say, well, like... If he stays over hurdles, he could easily eclipse whatever record he wanted as regards winning grade ones because it's just a matter of getting him out there every week and he'll go win them. But do you want to go and say, right, from now on, we're going to look at beginning to step him up. We're going to look at a chasing campaign next year. We're going to look at him to say a couple of years down the line, we get to a gold cup with this guy. You know, and then then you have a then you have an incredible horse who's who's won, you know, grade ones in, in every every kind of facile, every aspect. I mean, even the the one the one time he was beaten in his point to point, like he came as close to falling without falling as you're ever going to see a horse. And he still nearly won. You know what I mean? The, the, he he came, I think it was the second last of the last he came down, he was so he was spread eagled face on the floor and um, you know unfortunately for Ben Harvey he's probably going to have that little bit of history beside his name but you know he horse gathered himself back up and charged on again and nearly won so just he has the most incredible amount of ability uh, and you just would love to see it you know fulfilled to its absolute maximum which unfortunately if you're just running around in these really soft grade ones you're not we're not really seeing and which is I think it's a shame for everyone. Uh, you know, you're a racing fan. You want to see the best beat as good as they can beat, not just, uh, you know, form these unbeaten records. Because then you're in, you know, then you're in boxing territory where you know everyone gets a belt. There's five weight, you know, there's five different divisions to win in each weight class, and like is anyone truly a champion? Because you know you've got four or five world champions uh, at any different level. So. You know, for racing, I think it's just so important that we get horses to run against each other. And I feel like I'm blue in the face saying it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I suppose to refer to Constitution Hill, I'm not really sure anything can live with him at the moment, but one horse who could no. um, possibly is Marine National. We're going to get um, an anti-post selection just for any race in 2024 for the two of us before we um, end this half of the show. Um, our nap last week, my nap was Meeting of the Waters, um, who scored for Paul Byrne and um, Patrick, uh, was with Patrick Mullins, uh, scored for Willie Mullins uh, on day two. But at Leverson, before that, we had day one and um, we had Fasal 
Vega again, Tom. He's falling into a little bit of a... I think the... the I don't know. It, the, the bubble has burst for me with him. It's the second time he's obviously disappointed Leopardstown. I think he's a little bit empty under pressure. What did you make of it? Yeah, I'm very disappointed. You'd have to be very disappointed. Look, he's out of Vega. He's by walk in the park. He shouldn't really be a two-miler in any way, shape or form on pedigree. The way he goes, he looks like he, he could be a stayer. But the most disappointing thing for me in that performance is the fact he didn't just kind of, he just seemed to go completely out like a light. Mm. Um, that's, that was first most time. disappointing. No, not for the first time, no. Um, and whether, like, you can't just say, oh, it's that habit of over-racing because they didn't really over-race. They didn't go a million. Um, and the really nice performance by by um, Gordon Elliott's horse found 50, who just looked a really, really strong uh, staying type. But yeah, very disappointing. Um, You'd, you'd have to think for Fasa Vega, he goes up in trip. Um, and what happens after that, I don't know. But yeah, very disappointing to be, you know, and as you said, not for the first time, not for the first time uh, to just go out so tamely. Um, because, you know, it's not just the hype about the horse and his pedigree and what he did and his bumpers and things like that. Like even behind the scenes, you hear a lot of people going, oh my God, this fella's, you know, this fella when he schooled over hurdles, he was one of the most efficient and all sort of stuff. And you heard lots of things. And then just to see him go over fence, he thought that's exciting. Um, it might help his running style. He'd been very free early in his races over hurdles, particularly Leopardstown last year. So you think those defences just make him come back in his hocks a little bit and just, make him think a bit more but you know he wasn't overly free early on and yeah just very very disappointing and I don't think the ground is really a factor either because you know on Stephen's day it wasn't nearly as bad as it was uh, on the 27th so um, yeah we've, we've gone through a few excuses there and we're stuck into behind one aren't we yeah, you mentioned the ground was quite bad on the 27th. And it was for that reason I decided in my infinite um, enduring wisdom that Marine Nationale was a lay at the prices because Ouch. we're told that I, I even looked I even looked up his dam, Tom. And the dam basically, I think she won three flat races generally on good or good to firm ground. And I was like, you know, they, they said after the Royal Bond oh, last year, that's not his ground, yada, 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 yada. And yeah. I saw the first race, I was like, this ground is atrocious, right? So Marie Nacional rocks up in the second race on the second day, uh, and he is basically going to become something insanely good. When you see, I think Michael O'Sullivan basically was wanted to settle him. He was a bit fresh, kind of jumped himself to the front, despite the fact he was taken on. And I was going down, I was looking at him going down the back, I was like, this horse is definitely going too fast. Michael would want him to be going a little bit easier, and then he just absolutely bolts up. He is my performance of the week. Tom will give his in due course. This was sensational, Tom. Ah, uh, it's it, it, there's so much to like about this horse as well. And you know what I love about him as well? Not by fancy sires, by French Navy. You know, like he's obviously uh, a point to point grad, or sorry, not a point to point graduate, but you know he was taken from a point to point background without going through the big sales. He's just. I just, I just love him. I just love him. There's everything to like about him. I remember even at last year at, at Cheltenham when he came up the hill, the way he really, you know, I don't want to knock Faso Vega, but like Faso Vega looked good that day and he absolutely kicked him out of the ground. And uh, yeah, his performance as well over fences, really nice. Um, nothing too flashy, which I actually like. <laughs> I prefer the horse to just, you know, use their energy in between the jumps and just, you know, jump as efficiently as possible, which he did. He seems a uh, very calm character. You know, he's never, he's never 
pulled in his races or gotten keen. Um, you know, and it's great for Barry Connell as well. Like he said before and after the race, he's incredibly nervous. And why wouldn't you be? You know, you know, when I say that Barry Connell is a small operation, right? But relatively speaking, now when we're in the realms of the super trainers who have all these, you know, three and four hundred thousand pound horses at their disposal to throw at bumpers and novice hurdles left, right, and center. Uh, you know, he is his main man, he is his main horse, and it must be an inordinate amount of pressure when you know, you know, no matter what happens after him, the net the next horse down is there's such a gap, you know, he's a superstar. So uh yeah, brilliant for Barry Connell. Really, really like the horse. And, you know, hopefully, what does he turn into? You'd love to see him go and win an arc and then be a, a champion chaser and then see if they do step him up and trip or something like that. But, yeah, I'm looking too far down the line. But super performance and, yeah, sets up a, you know, say he'll probably come back to Leopardstown because you wouldn't really want to go to Cheltenham on just one run over fences in public. So, yeah, back for the uh, Irish arc at the Dublin Racing Festival, I imagine, and hopefully another good performance there. Yeah, this was obviously a beginner's chase now, even though it pretty much was a grade one in all but name. Um, now, we'll talk a bit more about Barry Connell and that horse, actually, uh, in the second half of the show. But one um, race we did want to mention before we wrap up uh, this half or this part of the show, um, just the, the Dino Blue performance and briefly Caldwell Potter as well. Um, I suppose, again, Tom, you're talking about really, really testing ground, which is a big factor on day two. Yeah, really big factor. I mean, I just love Caldwell Potter, the way he he grounded out there. Just, you know, he did similar in Navin, just took that rail and, and went on and stayed on every yard. Um, obviously related to the Mighty Potter, uh, half-brother to him by Martelline. He's just a really, really nice horse. And, you you know, you think stepping up in trip in time would be absolutely no bother to him. Uh, Dino Blue, yeah, really nice performance from her. Um just looking forward to seeing how she goes over chases, over fences in the future. Yeah, really nice horse who uh, I'm, I'll, I'll <laughs> never have too soft a spot for because I remember back at her for the Mare's Novice at about eight to one when she went off at five to four and ran no race whatsoever. Okay, so we're going to wrap up this half of the show now and we're going to give one uh, selection for 2024 and also performance of the week. My performance of the week was Marine Nacional. I thought he was absolutely sensational. I'd actually like to see him, as Tom's kind of alluded to there, taking on Constitution Hill. I'm going to give my nap uh, Diego Velasquez for the Derby, generally available 20 to 1. If you were listening last week, Meeting of the Waters, who was available at 10 to 1, did oblige uh, in the Paddy Power. We'll talk about that the second half of the show, which is for members. So over to you, Tom, your performance of the week and something for 2024. Uh, my performance of the week was definitely Ile Francais in the uh, in the quarter star. Um, yeah, he he did have it all his own way, but the way he jumped fence to fence uh, was absolutely phenomenal. I love the way afterwards as well. They kind of shrugged the shoulders in a very Gallic way and said, "Now we might not go to Cheltenham." You know, we look at the. I think they're going to look at trying to win two Grand Steeps, which is you know be wonderful. But yeah, brilliant performance. Absolutely jumped fence to fence, and uh, you know a fitting winner of the quarter star because. He's the closest I think a lot of people have seen to Cota Star in quite some time. So, yeah, really nice for him. Um, as regards a horse, I'm really looking forward to. I, is it too obvious to say City of Troy later on in the year? But, Absolutely uh, not. Um, obviously, uh, I, I do a fair bit at the Curra and uh, I'm there every week during the year. And that horse is just absolutely exceptional so so many brilliant two-year-olds there over the course of the year the likes of Henry Longfellow as he said Diego Velasquez as well um, but yeah that's City Troy he looks 
absolutely very, very special. And uh, it's it, it just intriguing to see how Aidan O'Brien has developed his training operation in what's going to be essentially a post-Galileo world. And uh, look, obviously, he's got the, the the supply of some of the best yearlings uh, and the best broodmares in the planet, but, you know, no Galileo. And it's just intriguing to see how that operation's all developed since. So looking forward to see how City of Troy gets on next year. I th- Yeah, I think he wins the guineas. Yeah, I mentioned Ian Velasquez. Tom is going to um, actually basically run the show today because he's brought this up now. So we're going to talk a little bit of Aidan O'Brien the second half of the show because um, I did an interview with him for the currency over the Christmas as well. And it's it's really interesting to hear what he wants to say about, as Tom says, a post-Galileo world. This is Royce Podden off the ball. If you're listening to the free version of the podcast, we'll be leaving you here. But if you're looking for more, including our analysis of additional races um, at Leopardstown over the week, over the last few days, go to offtheball.com forward slash join, subscribe and get the full podcast every Friday with all our racing tips insights and stories from the week's action The Racing Pod on Off The Ball